Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 49 of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Ben, we're back again. It's August. Fun fact, one year ago today, I was leaving Hawaii, flying back to, uh, to the mainland. So I keep getting my Snapchat memories popping up here. And it's oh, depressing nice. now that we're in COVID season. But Ben, you, you've, uh, you've had the pleasure to bring on a colleague of yours, Bruce. So give us a rundown. Give us the, uh, the Bruce intro. Do have a guest of ours. Yeah, Bruce Palmier. I have known Bruce for a long time, many years. Um, he's a colleague of mine. We've worked together many years in the freight brokerage world. Um, he's managed some large accounts, um, some of the largest accounts actually, at one of the largest brokers. Career spanned about 13 years and has worked with every type of company from pet food all the way up to the largest government contract that was ever awarded. Um, Bruce, Glad to have you here. Really excited to dig into our topic, talking a little bit about cold calling and what that means to building a large, sustainable book of business. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, happy to be here, you know, provide some insight and some good words. And for anybody that is, you know, listening right now, you can't see Bruce, but he's got two massive, just looks like bucks hanging on the wall behind him in his in his little lodge there. So there's three, right, Bruce? Three. I can't. I can't three, see the angle here. There's an elk and uh, and two pretty good sized bucks. There you yeah, go. big hunter. So it's uh, that's my hobby. Hey, you gotta. It's part of part of cold calling is you got to be a hunter, right? Not a yeah, farmer. That's right. <laughs> yep. So. So it wouldn't be a regular episode if we didn't have a little sports banter first. So Ben, I know you were excited about the PGA Championship. Absolutely, last Colin weekend. Morikawa, man, he pulled out the win. I was hoping Dustin was going to hold on to the lead, but didn't. Um, young guy, twenty-three years old, came away with his maiden uh, major of his career. Well, I mean, how can you avoid talking about? the most important theme, which is putting, because apparently Ricky Fowler has no idea how to tap in a six-inch putt. But DeChambeau can bomb one in from 95. So, Desh- 95 feet. 95 feet. So, you got a guy who broke his driver, which I don't think I've ever seen, and was also had fixed. And had it fixed. Didn't know that rule allowed for that to happen. So, definitely some interesting takeaways. That was a shot that he hit 95 feet. He hit that putt like he was hitting a chip from 65 yards is how he hit it. And yeah. that thing just dove right into the hole. Yeah, Bruce, so yeah, golfer by golf for the weekend. Who were you pulling for? I know we were sending some texts back and forth about. Who was I pulling for? Yeah. You're a Ricky guy? I, I literally don't <laughs> care. Like I, so I was on ESPN Plus. I was following like the Tiger Woods group and the Phil Mickelson group. Um, I did follow, I don't know, there's another one, but I, I could care less. I always like when Tiger plays well, because I feel like he's just the, the goat when it comes to golf. So it's always good to see, you know, the best play well, but I also like some, like the young guys too. Like I would have not minded seeing one of the younger kids, um, other than the dude who won, who I've never heard of before, you know, some of those other guys play well, but, uh, are you a golfer? 
Yeah, sure. Matt Wolf's a, a great player. Um, some of the younger guys were really interesting to watch. Ben doesn't want to let you answer the question, apparently. I know. No, he doesn't. No, no. I, I am a golfer. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't get to play as much as I used to. You know, two little kids, they keep me busy. But I did have a chance to sit down last night and uh, and watch the Premier League Soccer's Back Championship. Um, it is. That's right. I'll tell you what, Portland had a good night last night. They won the Soccer's Back Championship and then – who they play? They played like Orlando or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And they won, I think it was, gosh, is three to one, two to one, something like that. And, you know, I watched uh, the Portland game last night on TV and for basketball. And I was sitting there watching. I was like, man, how do they get people to be like on the Zoom calls in the audience? Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Do that. Like, I want to do that and then take a picture of myself at the game, right? <laughs> like from TV. Anyways, that. It's a different time we're living in. It know. is. We've talked about like all the other events that don't have fans. So like baseball, it has like cardboard cutouts that you can have in the stands now. And now, right. but I've even seen it like with the NBA, they're all, they're all down at the ESPN world of sports and Disney. Yeah, the bubble. And they've, Up got in like the, they've got like the Zoom live fans in the seats there too. So uh, it's, it's yeah. wild. But yeah. Crazy. Good time. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Other than that fun. Um, I, you know, I got to watch here in Buffalo, New York. I got to watch the Toronto blue Jays play in my hometown's triple a stadium last night on TV. Cause we, you know, no fans, but uh, they got a win. So first, uh, first major league game in Buffalo in over a hundred years. And it was a win. So that's pretty cool. When was the last game? Do you know what the last two teams that played were? No, I mean, I've, I'm in my 30s, and it was over 100 years ago, so <laughs> I, I, and I'm not a sports buff. I'm not a history buff, I should say. So, uh, fact check, I don't know. No idea. Anyway. Well, we're going to get a Ty Cobb reference or Shoeless Joe Jackson back in 1911, <laughs> the last time the Buffalo White Sox or whatever that team was 110 years ago. Yeah, it, uh, Buffalo is just a – we're just a – drinking town with a sports problem and they have a Canadian team, which is actually we're, we are their farm team. We're the AAA affiliate, but to have them come down here and show us what a, what a win actually looks like is just uh it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know. It's like a catch 22. It's like a hot, you feel better and worse at the same time. Pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's get into the topic. Let's talk about cold calling. We, we had an episode in the past, on fear and how you can overcome fear. Now, cold calling is hands down one of the most intimidating things that anybody can do. And when you, in a brokerage setting, um, there's the smile and dial, right? There's the 100 calls a day, 200 calls a day. And this is where I think a lot of people are sink or swim when they're going to make it or not make it in a larger company. Because um, both of you have come from a, a larger, very, very large style brokerage where a hiring class probably, and you could probably speak better to it, hiring class probably like 30 to 40 people, right? And yeah. how many make it? Because they can't call, they can't close, whatever. So um, what, what have you guys seen as far as the turnover rate from people that just are too afraid to pick up the phone? Oh boy. Yeah, that the call hesitation is, is big. You know, you get somebody right out of college or first job in sales and it's, it's entry level. I mean, we're not kidding anybody. Like it's entry level, you know, most people that get into freight brokerage never in a million years thought that they would be slinging freight. But uh, when you first, those first calls are just like, 
they're, they're your throwaway calls, right? They're your calls where you're going to practice, where you're going to get your techniques and um, just really learn the systems. But that call hesitation is, is real. And that's, that's what a lot of people have problems getting over is, is just picking up that thousand pound phone uh, to make those dials. And once you get over the fear of calling, then you still got to polish your approach, right? You got to have a solid introduction. You got to get past the gatekeeper. And I think we're going to go over a couple techniques for, for getting past gatekeepers and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's real for sure. Yeah. Uh, those that make it find a way to push through and um, those that don't get stuck with head trash um, and, and confidence. I think uh, <laughs> you made a comment that I thought was funny. Nobody thought in a million years that they're going to be slinging freight. It's like, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nobody says I want to be a freight broker. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what no, I mean? no. But, the, but the, the reality of it is though, is, you know, whether you start off as a W2 somewhere or if you're an agent somewhere, if you're good at it, you can make a lot of money doing it and you can get a lot of business because Ben, we've talked about it in the past. There's a, what was it like 95% of brokers that, start day one are not still brokering six months later. So there's such a high turnover across the industry that you're gonna, you're gonna, there's gonna be a bad, you know, I guess a bad rap for a bunch of brokers because people have dealt with the, you know, crappy ones in the past and whatnot. So absolutely. Um, but, but go ahead. No, to that point, right? For every disadvantage is an advantage, right? And for the vast majority of the turnover and that giving, I guess, the industry a bad name or maybe not reliable or the service wasn't there because somebody was new is all the more reason that if you're going to be intentional and you're going to really study and be a master at your craft, and this is a craft, right? You can differentiate yourself from those people fairly easily, right? With just some preparation. The number one way that we see you know, and coaching, and this is what Bruce and I do for a living, right? We're both sales coaches. We work with Southwestern Coaching um, and we literally do one-on-one -on -one coaching. We do free sales training with companies. So like we're on the ground meeting these people, having the conversations, getting these people past these mental hurdles, mental blocks, the head trash they have. One of the biggest reasons that we see that people aren't doing better at this is, the hesitancy, right? And why is there hesitancy in cold calling? Um, I think understanding the why is important to being able to get past it. That why is really, there is certain rejection that you're going to face when you're going to be dialing. If you're dialing even an hour and a half a day, you're going to deal with rejection. You're going to be reaching somebody that's had a bad day. It's not taking it personally. It's the water off a duck's back approach when you're on the phone because they're not speaking at you personally. They're not saying anything rude to you personally. They are just busy. They're having a bad they don't day. Even, they don't even know you. <laughs> don't know you at all and won't remember you. And the, you know, the part that always gets me is people that hang on to that, like they'll have somebody rude they catch that says something, you know, trite or quick or whatever it is, right? They'll hold on to that for a day and go, just how could this person speak to me? And the reality is, is that person didn't know you. They weren't speaking to you. You just interrupted them and some irrit irritation that they had in their day. Don't take that personally. Because if you're going to harbor all of these resentments to every bad call you have, you're never going to make it. Yeah. And, and one, one more thing I wanted to add on that to what Bruce, what you said earlier was that um, those first calls are, those are the, th the throwaway calls. I think that's a good mentality to go into it with. So like, I remember the first time I made a cold call 
And you guys, I've heard you both say that the thousand pound phone, it literally can feel like that. It, for me, it was a thousand pound uh, headset, but uh, mm-hmm. I had two hands to pick it up, but I still couldn't get it on my head. But you know, one, when you first finally do it, um, it's, it's almost like it's that much easier that, okay, one down, right? So having that mentality going into it that it is going to be intimidating or suck a little bit when you first do it, uh, but it's all worth it and repetition makes everything a lot more comfortable and familiar. Um, and one last thing, if you are not a good talker or you're afraid of rejection, you have to either get over it or this is not the industry for you. Just straight forward. So. Absolutely. And if and, you yeah. feel... And to that point, right, and I wanted to go just one actionable thing that Bruce and I talked about that I loved about that is also in cold calling, right, it's not about making 100 calls a day and then none for five days, right, and then doing a whole bunch and then, and Bruce, why don't you speak to, I've always loved your analogy about burning a match when it comes to this, right, consistency is king in cold calling. I would rather one of my clients be making 35 or 40 calls every day than making 100 and then three or four days later trying to make 100 because it's exhausting. And I wanted you to speak a little bit about this because I've used this plenty and I definitely got this from you, Bruce. Yeah, so the analogy that I use is it's actually one that I got from cycling. Um, in college, I was a real big, ag, big uh, avid cyclist and it's, it's the concept of burning matches. So our body physically has so many matches in which it can burn. So when you're riding in a 100-mile day and sales is a, is a 100-mile journey, it's, it's forever, right? You never stop selling. Uh, if you burn a match, so your body builds up momentum as you're riding. Say you're going, you know, 18 miles an hour and you all of a sudden your body gets this feeling that it's going to go up to 24 miles an hour, right? You're going to exert all that energy in a burst. And in that burst, you burn a match. Well, your body only has so many matches built inside of it before you crash, before you absolutely can't go any further. The same goes with sales. Sales is a long journey. I mean, it, 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 that road never ends. And if you sit, like it's, it's the roller coaster, right? The ups and downs. So if, you're, if your boss comes to you and says, look, you need to increase your calls to 150 calls a day, but you're only making 30 calls a day, you're going to burn a match right away. And you're going to exert so much energy. Well, mentally, Okay, not physically, but mentally, we also have a limited number of matches before we get burnt out and crash. So that's the analogy that I use is, is burning matches. Um, and as managers, it's really important that we know how many matches our employees have left in their box. Because if we're pushing and we're burning their matches left and right, that employee's out the door. That's a, that's a really good point, man. I swear I was, uh, you know, I'm a sheltered person here in Western New York, never getting to hear these analogies like like you two throw out and you know, Ben, you always have like your Russian proverbs that you toss into, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I learn something new every single time I hop on an episode here. That's a good analogy though. Um, yeah. And you, I think another point you brought up too is managers need to be aware of how many matches the employees have left in them. So, and this, this goes to hiring and we, we've talked about hiring in the past and I don't want to get too thick into it, but when you're, you know, if you're a, let's say you're a manager and you're hiring a new broker for your sales team, or you own a brokerage and you're hiring an employee, or you're an agent and you're bringing on a sub agent, whatever it is, or a sales rep, right? You need to understand how that person will operate. And there's, you got to ask the right questions to kind of feel them out on how they're going to do in that scenario. So, um, yep. and I think an easy way to do that is if somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm a great fit for this because I have a big sales background. Well, why did you leave 
every company you're at after three to six months, like why weren't you lasting there? What was it that you didn't like about it? Did, were you worked too hard? Were quotas too high? Were you not cut out for it? So um, all stuff to consider. That's a totally different conversation, but that's a, it's a very good point that everyone has a different capacity of as far as how much, um, you know, how much they can do in a day when it comes to cold calling. So kind of what I wanted to get into first is um, how, you know, we can talk about techniques all day long about how to, how to overcome the cold call fear and all that stuff. But I think one of the ways that I've always found to be successful or beneficial is I've always said to take a cold call and make it a warm call, right? So you're not just literally picking up the phone, dialing a random number and hoping that you got the right person on the, on the other end of the line. So I'm all about doing quick, efficient research, not wasting an hour. Like Ben would say the, uh, Oh, just keep putting it off the procrastination. Creative avoidance, right? Creative avoidance, right? But uh, where'd my video go? There we go. Much better. Um, but the whole, the whole idea of doing quick, efficient research first on the front end um, or prepare your list of calls the night before and know who you're going to call, what order, at what time. So, and then have, you know, you could do a, a quick email the night before these people or whatever the case might be. So, what have you guys seen as far as ways to warm up a call per se or prepare for it? Something to take that edge off just a little bit before you actually pick up the phone. I don't care who goes first. You guys both can probably yeah, hammer out all kinds of tips here. Bit, right? we, we coach this all the time. And, right. you know, when you're, when you're guilt, it's pre-approach, right? When you're building your pre-approach, we always ask, what's, what are two or three things that you want to know about the, this company before you call them? And we always get the answers, oh, do they ship full truckload? Do they ship LTL? Do they use outside brokers? You know, we get the typical answers, but who does that serve? That serves. That serves the broker, the broker not the actual customer. That's a great not point. Not the actual customer. So what does the customer care about? Do they care about you as the broker? No, they care about themselves. They care about their business. So when you find pre-approach, when you're gathering that information, like you need to figure out what their likes are, what sport teams they follow. Do they have kids? Like just quick. I mean, what, we're in the technology age. Like you can find out anything about anybody just by Googling their name. Right. So get a like be intentional about these calls um, and spend some time building your market research. And that's what it is. It's just being intentional about making your dials count. And I want to go a little bit further just in that same thing. The number one way to get over that hesitancy and Nate and Bruce just alluded to, right. Is preparation. It's, you should not be dialing and then finding your next number and then dialing. You should have an hour and a half to two hours blocked out whenever that is previous to your dialing. All that should be prepared so that when that bell rings, your calendar reminder goes off at 10 a.m. or whenever you're dialing, right? You just sit and that's the activity. And why is that, right? Was because preparation, right, obviously makes you more comfortable for one, but two, you also get into what you said earlier, Nate, is that momentum, right? dialing and then dialing and then dialing and then you get in that rhythm and then you have a good conversation and then you take that good conversation and run with it, right? Like that's that self-rewarding sense and that's how you build that momentum and that's how you're able to, hey, we're not trying to make a hundred phone calls in an hour and a half. Like you should be trying to reach good numbers are 10 people in an hour dialed phone numbers. You'll likely reach two decision makers and you probably talk to one. That's there's yeah. a pretty good metrics to look at what an hour of dialing is going to look like. That's the for sure. that's what you prepare for. And 
just to kind of to hit on that again, that preparation, um, having it planned out. So he, mine, mine has evolved over the years, but six years ago when I first started cold calling people, I was recruiting freight agents, right? So I'd have to find people that were brokers and call them and try to solicit them to, to switch from a W2 to a, to an agent or leave their company to become an agent for my company. And my list started out where I would literally take like pad of paper like this and write down the name of every call I was going to make in order. And then I, well, I had them like uh, sorted by their time zone. Cause you don't want to call the Pacific yep. coast at 8am Eastern time, but uh, which is another good point is nowhere they're located. But um, I would cross off or do a check mark. It was almost like a gratification after every call I made, whether it was a voicemail or they answered, it was like, all right, you know, I'm eating that elephant one bite at a time. And then it eventually became like, I'd made it an Excel list and I would turn it red or yellow or green, depending on how the call went and they'd all get highlighted. And then now it's, I use uh, uh, HubSpot and I got tasks and all kinds of stuff. I, it's all, you know, I've fine tuned my, it my uh, way of doing it, but tracking it, having a list and not just randomly, Oh, let me Google a food, you know, manufacturer or distribution center and call them, you know, have it planned out. I used to always tell people, plan out your calls the night before if you can. If not, do it at least first thing in the morning for that day. Um, but don't be shooting from the hip, doing it on the fly. That's my take on it. Two big things that I wanted to just add is that Bruce and I still to this day do that. And, and it's funny is that we've all been there where I've got a list of 30 people or 40 people. If they're not in order, exactly as you said, I still get into that habit and I start going, maybe I want to reach him. I'm like, no, you know what? I just talked to Bob. I'm going to call. And I literally have this conversation with myself. 10, 15 minutes passes where I would have been much better served to do exactly what you said, right? Dial one, two, three. There is something I heard. In fact, this is something I've been coaching for a while, but I picked up, I think what is a, maybe even a little better way at this off of uh, um, somebody else recently is our brains get rewarded. Just like you said, when you've got them numbered one through 30 and you highlight them, there's a sense of reward as you're working towards finishing it, right? Working closer to that goal, right? We feel like we're biting a little piece closer to that 30. A great technique that I've coached is take an empty cup on one side of your desk and a full cup of whatever, I used paper clips at first. So let's say you're gonna be dialing 50 people a day. And every time you call a phone number, because if you're calling out of a CRM or an automatically generated list of leads, sometimes you take a paper clip up and you drop it in that empty cup. So to your brain, it accomplishes, you have that sound and that tangible reward system every time you're making a dial. So you feel like you're getting closer and you're looking at the paper clip cup getting fuller. I had heard recently somebody did this with quarters and I love this idea because a lot of the monotony around cold calling is just finding exciting ways to create a story or a theme around it to make it fun for yourself. And this guy would buy like two or three rolls of quarters every week and he would have them on his desk, right? And then he had one of those little metal buckets that they typically put like beers in when you buy them. You know, they put five or six and they fill them with ice. So it's yeah. metal, right? And why he did that was, his Friday night at happy hour was he'd spend a couple hours there, I guess, with his buddies, and he wanted to have $50 discretionary to spend that night, right? So he'd start his week with $50 in quarters, and every time he made a dial, he would throw a quarter in that bucket, which also rings that auditory cue in your brain of like the same thing as like a slot machine, right? That ching, that sound, and every time he made a dial, quarter went into the bucket. 
And if he hit his goal, he took that cash. And I'm sure the bartender wasn't too happy paid in quarters on Friday. But either way, I always thought that was a great way to have fun with this. And to try to, I mean, because a lot of, I mean, especially now, people are sitting at their house, right, by themselves. You're not in the room. You don't have that energy of the 20 people around you. This is a great way to create some of that excitement and have have some fun with what is typically a dreaded activity for most people, I think. I agree. And I, I think uh, you make a good point there too with the the environment, the energetic environment. I remember when I was in uh, Nashville earlier this year before, not to sound cliche, but before this whole COVID thing hit, because I hear that yep. phrase all the time. But when I was down there, um, I got a chance to, I was walking up and down Broadway and I literally saw where the TQL office was. And I'm like, wow, like, the guys that work in that office, if you're, if you're a TQL guy, they're like, they're on Broadway. Like that is, I thought that was just so cool. And I've seen it with, I've heard other people, like other companies come down in Florida, um, folks that I've talked with in the past that they'll talk about the, just the environment of working in a, it's almost like a work hard, play hard type of thing where these guys are doing um, like all kinds of after hours events together, softball, volleyball that we had one actually um, locally here in the Buffalo area. I think it's fetch logistics that I had actually interviewed with them before I ever got into the brokerage world. Um, this is like, I was coming off of a deployment from the army and I was like, Oh, what do I want to do next in transportation besides operations for an LTL company? And they told me like, Hey, you know, I, I, we're looking for an entry level type of role. This might not be for you, but they had me sold on this whole like work hard, play hard mentality of like, Hey, it's, you know, it's, you can wear shorts in the office and flip flops. If you want to, we've got um, barbecues and you know, the president's club and this, that, the other thing. I've heard all these cool things of how that environment rewards people. And now people working from home, or if you're running your own brokerage, or if you're an agent that works from home, you kind of, you have to figure out other ways to stay motivated. And it sounds like your, your boy with his uh, beer bucket thing, you can still do that at home. You might be the only one drinking, but uh, <laughs> you got to make, you got to adjust to the, to the times, I guess. But yeah, as a little bit of a tangent, let's Bruce, you, you were talking about um, ways to um, get the through gatekeepers. the gatekeeper. So I, I want to kind of talk about what, tell me about, or let's talk about the, you know, who are you trying to get a hold of? What is the gatekeeper? How do you get past them? Who do you want to talk to when you're making these calls? Right. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you find a number, you call it. Person that answers the phone, you have no idea who they are, right? They could be a receptionist. They could be the owner of the company. They could be a dock worker. You, you don't know. So the first, you, you talked about having warm calls, not just cold calls. But the first step is, you know, identify who is in the transportation department or who is in charge of the transportation department. Um, and honestly, they may or may not be the decision maker. You know, the manager of the transportation department, they may not be the decision maker for onboarding new carriers. Um, it's, it, it could be a lot of different people. It could be procurement. It could be, you know, they could have a separate department, especially for onboarding new carriers. But a good place to start is, is the transportation manager. Um, and if, if you call the receptionist and the gatekeeper, you know, and you just ask a simple question like, Hey, is you do your research, right? You find them on LinkedIn or whatever. And you say, Hey, is, is John Brown still in charge of transportation over there? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Okay, great. So now after that call, you now know that John Brown is who you want to speak with. So 
you call them a couple of days later. And if the gatekeeper starts throwing up objections, you know, uh, what's this in regarding, or does he know you, or, you know, can I take a message? Those are where the ping pong or the uh, pinball starts. Um, is that kind of makes sense as of right now? Yeah. I'm yeah. 100%. I 100% yeah. agree because I think what's funny is I've heard people tell me that they call and they they immediately go into this this like spiel and they realize they're not even talking to someone that has any clue what they're referring to. Like right. what? Truck club brokerage, huh? Who? What? But yeah, I'll follow yeah. you. That's that's I and I like that 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 first call is so and so still in charge of that. I never I have never thought to do that before. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great point, right? It's, it's separating some of the activities, right? It's finding different creative ways to get the information we need, right? We shouldn't be calling the phone and when we get somebody in, you're super surprised that actually Paul, the shipping manager, answers the phone that you just run into. Oh, I'm from so-and-so and, and John's LDI or whatever the company is and they want to do their elevator pitch and the guy's like, I don't even know who you are. Like, who is this? What's this regarding, right? Like, lead with something that you would do in person or in like a real conversation, right? Something about them, have that pre-approach ready so that you can connect with them as a person, right? Like you shouldn't be talking about anything about yourself until you've developed or established some type of rapport with this human, right? Like anything, whatever that is, establish that before you're ever talking about yourself. So here's a question then. So you get through, you, f you figure out how to get past the gatekeeper. You get the, well, we'll just say in this circumstance, it's a traffic manager, right? Um, you get through to the traffic manager. Um, how, do you, how do you take the call from there? I mean, are, are you trying to build rapport right away? Are you trying to get right to it? I, I mean, what, is it a long game, short game? Because, you know, I've, I've heard people do it both ways. I've heard the um, hey, I've you know got trucks in the area. That that old thing right there. And yeah. then there's the um, which sometimes annoys me is when people cold call me for other random stuff, and they just start trying to build rapport. And I, almost I'm like, why did you call me? Like, what is this even? What is this going to lead to? So where where do you tend to take the conversation once the person is actually on the phone? So so right now we're at the introduction stage, right, of the sales cycle. Um, having a great introduction is the most important part of the sales cycle. Most people think it's the presentation, right? Where you're talking about your benefits, your features, your costs, your, you know, the presentation for portion. The introduction is honestly almost where the sale is made. You know, how many seconds do you think it takes to, to form an impression of, of somebody? I was going to say like five or six. I feel like you're going to know right away if, whether or not you're going to be able to work with that person. Cause that's personally about yeah. how long it takes me to decide. Right. It's, it's seven seconds. And then here's a scary, here's a scary fact. How many additional meetings does it take for that person to change their perception of you? I have no idea. I've always heard seven. the whole the, seven, seven, seven additional meetings for somebody to change an impression about you. And do you think if you leave a bad first impression that they're going to give you seven additional chances to make a good impression? So having a solid introduction is extremely crucial and having a system in place. And we go over this in coaching. Like we work with people on their introduction. We script it out. So it's the same introduction. It's and in our, the way we coach is in our introduction, we're not selling anything right? It's all about them. 
about their current situation, about what they like, about who they're using, about what they would change, about if they're even the decision maker, right? They may not even be the decision maker. So you, you could go through the entire sales cycle. You can get all, through, all the way to the close and then you're going to hear, oh, well, you know what? I'm not really the one that um, onboards new carriers. You're going to have to talk to procurement. And then guess what? You wasted up to maybe a month of calling this person, right? Yes. So in the introduction, that's where the fact finding, that's where the, the, the needs assessment really takes place. And having good questions is paramount to your success. And um, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, just yesterday, um, I got on a Zoom session with four or five of my clients and, you know, not all in transportation, but, you know, sales is, is sales. We, we right. coach in all industries. Um, and everybody was, was it, it was a dial session. Everybody was calling, prospecting for their own business. And they all had their own, it's kind of the same technique, but in their own verbiage, in their own way. And uh, just in that one hour of people dialing together, uh, two people got new customers. Um, again, not all in the transportation industry, but it was awesome to see that, you know, our phone approach and our, our processes are working uh, and they're, they're getting success from it. So having your systems in place for yourself to be successful is, is just paramount. I like that. And just to, uh, just to kind of caveat off of that, both of you have been wildly successful in brokerage and both of you are now coaches in sales. So when it comes yeah. to cold calling, it, this, it goes to show how important it is to be good at the sales cycle overall, but especially the cold call process to be successful. And also, Ben, we've talked about the importance of um, having a mentor or even using a coach to fine tune because nobody is perfect at what they do. Not, I mean, you guys are coaches and I'm sure you guys learn from each other or other people as well. We have you got to always well. continuously improve yourself. So yeah. um, to use a coach, I think is, is a extremely beneficial uh, tool. I mean, I've had plenty of people that I've used as mentors and I've also assisted and helped them out in, in ways as well to just help each other out. So um, yeah, no yeah. one's perfect. Keep learning and, uh, you know, figure out the best way to overcome whatever you're not super awesome at. And that's really it, Nate, right? Like if anybody wants to be a master at their craft at whatever they do, right? You look at anybody that's the best at what they best, the best of the best at what they do, and they all have coaches. You know, everybody from Tiger Woods and Serena Williams to, you know, baseball players that have five, six different coaches for every part of their game, actors, performance coaches. I mean, it's become ubiquitous because if you want to get better at it, you need that outside person looking at the situation from another point of view to help you see what you're not seeing in some aspects and to really help sharpen those skill sets so you continually be growing and evolving and getting better at those things, right? And, and to touch on Bruce at a, a few interesting things, right? Like most people spend a ton of time on their presentation. What's important to them, the broker, right? These are the facts, features. This is what our system does. This is what our platform does. This is what we provide, 24-hour service, right? The reality is, is that presentation should only be geared to what is important to the person you're speaking to. And that information is found in the introduction. Whatever's relevant to them. Whatever that is, that's the part that you're going to be presenting. Not what everything and throwing up everything. What does an introduction sound like in the freight brokerage world? Generic, very, very generic. But what, 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 what might it sound like? Let's say um, I'm a new broker. I am calling 
a produce company out in Idaho. I get the traffic manager on the phone. I've got past the gatekeeper. I have the right person. What does that introduction sound like? Or is there more research you have to do? You know, is it, uh, well, it depends. We can go right from there. What, what is the lane? Is it, is it tight capacity right now there? And this is all other stuff you should know as well. But what does that introduction tend to sound like? Bruce, do you, why don't we role play this? You be the shipper in Iowa and I'll be the broker calling you. We'll yeah, just go you through what it. it sounds like, right? So what I'm going to start with is I'm going to start with what's going on now. I want some relevant piece of information about his business. We'll just say that right now his market's tight, right? And we've got the obvious, everyone has a pandemic. Ring, 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 Bruce answers. Hey, hey Bruce. Hello? Hey, Hello? Bruce. Yeah, who's this? Bruce, Ben, Ben Kowalski. Do I know you? My, uh, my name ringing a bell. You trying to put a face to a name over there, Bruce? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure I know you. No worries. I'll let you off the hook there, Bruce. We actually haven't had the opportunity to meet face to face yet. Um, I was reaching out. I, I work, I do a lot of business with Nate um, over at uh, Acme Transportation. Do you know Nate by any chance? No, no, I don't. Anyway, how, how we know Nate is that we've been handling a lot of Nate's business and they've been dealing with a lot of the, the tight areas and shipping right now with the carriers and capacity issues. And honestly, I was chatting with him yesterday. He just thought it made sense for me to reach out to you. Thought you guys maybe were running into some of the same areas. You still have the fun job of managing all the carriers over there, Bruce? Someone else had that uh, Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I tendered out freight. Hey, quick question. Why I have you here? Hey, Bruce, how has everything been going with that? I mean, you guys experiencing, I mean, what's been going on with the market? I know that they've been running into a lot of tight issues, a lot of missed pickups, a lot of dropped drops, things getting there late. You guys running into that? How's everything been going over there for you? Yeah, man, I tell you what, uh, it, it's been tight. You know, we're, we're struggling to, to find trucks, you know, at, at this point, you know, we just need, we just need bodies. We need bodies, warm bodies in a truck to, to take our freight right now. But, um, you know, not really sure I'm in the, in the position to add any new carriers. No, totally, totally expected that, Bruce. Honestly, I wasn't calling in any way to get set up as much as to just reach out and to just connect with you right now. But let me ask you this. I mean, other than it being tight, what's been going well for you guys? How have you guys pivoted through the whole COVID thing with the market flipping a few times in the past six months? What's been going well for you guys in the past, you know? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been able to continue to move, you know, move our freight across the country. Um, you know, obviously, prices has gone up a little bit, but, uh, you know, the guys that we're using, they're, they're great. They've, I've been doing business with them for the past, you know, five, six years. You know, their communication is on point. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's just, it's, the, it's a capacity issue. Well, that's great. I mean, so if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, Bruce, is, you know, the carriers that you've chosen to work with and the ones you guys really like to partner with, really high on your list of priorities is communication, um, them being on time. What are some of the other things that um, you've really appreciated by the partners that you've been working with, whether that be a carrier or a broker? I mean, I, I need that personal relationship, you know, that one point of contact, you know. Um, I tried the, the companies that, you know, you your salesman is one guy, but then, you know, your dispatcher is another and it's, it's, it's harder to get updates from them. Um, so I like, I want one point of contact. Uh, it's really important to us. And then uh, really it's, it, it's all about the communication piece. You know, the rates we can work out, um, you know, produce is, is a very tricky industry. 
Um, and so obviously we need to keep our costs down, but at the same time we're, we're competing with all the other farms over here. No, absolutely. It's that old adage, right? If you watch all the pennies, the dollars will wash themselves. I mean, price is what it is. It's a commodity. We're all aware of that. But if I'm hearing you right, you know, communication's big, um, updates, knowing where your shipments are, knowing where your customer shipments are. Those are all important things to you. And that makes sense. Those are a lot of the same things that we value here. We feel the same way about our shipping partners that we work with. Do you mind if I ask you something real quick, Bruce? If there was one thing you would change about maybe some of the transportation partners you have, what would that be? Man, I really, I, to be honest, I need their trucks here a little earlier. You know, we stop shipping at four o'clock and it, it all too often the, the truck shows up at, you know, 345 and, you know, my guys are looking to go home. Like they're, they're done for the day. They worked all day and, um, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating that then I got to pay them overtime, you know, and that, that comes out of the bottom line of that shipment. Oh, I, I can't. I mean, absolutely. And I mean, we've all worked long days and being surprised at the end of the day to have to work an extra two, three hours is nobody's favorite thing. I can't imagine anybody's too eager to deal with that. You mind if I ask you, I mean, is that something that happens like weekly? Is that something that happens once a month? I mean, what type of frequency oh, are your guys dealing with that? Yeah, right now it's, it's all the time. You know, trucks are, you know, I, I'm talking to my guys and trucks are breaking down or, you know, they're, they're getting held up at their previous stop. And so, you know, I, yeah, really? trucks run up late all the time. Well, Bruce, let me ask you this. I mean, just throwing this out there. If we were able to get you some of these communication updates, you know, be reasonable on the rates that we talked about. I mean, but if we were able to do all of those things that, you know, you had said you valued and we're able to do those and keep, keep them in that window, you know, that seven to 3 PM window, like, is that something, I mean, you guys feel like you would entertain? Would you be open to possibly considering bringing on another carrier if we were able to hit all those marks for you? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the timing's right, you know, I, again, I don't know if I'm, I'm the one that can sign, you know, if I can add new carriers or I probably got to talk to my boss. Absolutely, Bruce. And the only reason I said that, like I said, hey, I, I don't know if we're a fit to work together. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe we are, maybe we aren't. And that's okay too. Honestly, like I said earlier, when we you know, first started chatting is my goal is to just reach out to as many people to let them know who we are and to see if we share, you know, I, I kind of like the same values and beliefs in regards to how we operate our business and how we treat the people we work with. Let me ask you this, Bruce. I mean, if this was something you think that made sense to take the next couple steps, I mean, you said you weren't the person involved, but I guess I'm assuming it's probably a group of people. You guys work pretty closely together. Who would, who would be involved in that decision or who would I at, the, at some point need to be connecting with? Yeah. So Angela Smith and I, you know, we're the two that, 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 bring on new carriers. You know, I'm definitely interested. I think if you can provide all the services that we're looking for and then also get the trucks here on time, I mean, it's almost a no brainer. Um, you know, cause like I said, the rates will shake themselves out. You know, uh, we know where the rates need to be. You know, we, we, we keep yeah. our, our carriers honest, you know, cause we throw them, throw them up against each other every once in a while. But, um, again, it's, it's, it's all about being on time and, you know, the capacity. If you've got, if you've got capacity, I mean, that's, that's something we're looking for right now. Perfect. Then I'm going to schedule the next call. I'm going to get out of that. That's the introduction. That's a yep. systematic way to go about it. I'm going to find me, the information. That's me clapping. Yep. <laughs> you guys role played that a lot longer than I thought you were going to. 
<laughs> yeah, I was about to cut you off halfway through and be like, "Hey, if they want to, if they want to hear the rest of it, they got to hire one of you two guys." But uh, right, there you go, some some free nuggets. And that's, that's only that's only one of the techniques that we coach. You know that that was a a generic, you know, approach. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I was I was pretty tough on Ben in certain parts, but then lenient. You know, you a lot of these shipping managers and transportation offices, like these guys are going to be rough, and we we coach you through those rough conversations like we know what the other end of the line is going to sound like so when we're role playing in our coaching calls like we don't go easy right like it's it's as if you were live on a call right now yeah that's good and i think a a, a big point to consider is when choosing the right coach there you want to pick the guy that guy or girl that has been successful at it. like for example um if you want to learn how to lose weight, you don't go ask a fat person. You ask the guy that's ripped, right? If, if you want financial advice, you don't go ask your broke brother-in-law. You go to a financial professional. If you want to learn how to cold call and be a good freight broker, you work with someone who's done it and been wildly successful at it, not some guy that's running a $99 online class. So, right, right. And, and another, it's, you know, it's important. Yeah, and the hit on that, again, is, you know, we're practitioners of what we preach. You know, just because I was successful in the freight world and, and uh, you know, sales all day long over there. Like I'm still in sales. Like we still cold call, right? We still yeah. ask for referrals. We, we're still in the trenches. So like all the stuff that we're talking about with freight brokerage, it goes on in every industry and even our industry of sales performance and leadership coaching. Like, yeah, we get, we get call hesitation and, you know, head trash and all that stuff. And, but we, it's how we work through it that matters. And, um, it's, it's great to have somebody that'll hold you accountable uh, and an outside voice. You know, uh, you can go to your manager all day long and ask him for advice, but it, at some point it's going to be the same old story over and over. Um, so outside perspective is, is key. Yeah. I think another point, like you said, talking with the manager, I, I had a, um, I had a manager in the past that, literally the only advice that he would give was more activity, more activity leads to more production. And it's like, you're not coaching me or or guiding me. You're literally just giving me some garbage like line because he either doesn't, he either didn't know how to help me or didn't care enough to help me or whatever, but it wasn't helpful at all. Oh, more activity. It's like, well, Well, that doesn't help. (laughs) You bring up a great point. and, And this is extremely important is, you know, we all know, most managers that get promoted, they are promoted because of their previous activity. They were a top producer. Well, just because you're a top producer doesn't make you a great manager. So a lot of the pe- a lot of the managers that I'm coaching right now, they were top producers, kind of promoted into a management role, and they have no idea how to manage. So we work again. We work with the managers on how to coach how to hold effective meetings, how to create a sales culture, um, you know, hiring, firing, holding people accountable, like all that stuff that they don't teach you in sales 101, but now you're in management, like how to be a leader, how to be a leader. Right. Right. And And the difference between the two. Yeah. And the managers that just tell you, Oh, more, more activity, more activity, more activity. Those aren't good managers. You know, those are good salespeople. Agreed. So I want to, before we hop into some, uh, some Q and a here, I want to just rifle through a list of, of quick tips here that we've covered. All right. Preparation's a big one of them. Having a coach, 
um, role playing, I think is huge because, and that could be listening in on someone else's cold call or doing a role play cold call with somebody that, that can give you different, you know, objections. Um, make sure you're talking to the right person on the phone. Um, if you're not, find out who it is, you know, check them out on LinkedIn, do all the stalking you possibly can. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways to stalk nowadays on social media. So I think that just about sums up what we talked about here. Um, any other final quick tips yeah, just, on cold calling? Just one thing. And, and I wanted to, you know, put this out there too, is, you know, Bruce and I work with Southwestern Consulting, the division of which is Southwestern Coaching. If anybody out there would want us to run a free sales training for their team, we do those complimentary. You can reach out to us either through the show notes, through LinkedIn. Both of us are out there. You can find us through there. So, or even if you just have any questions and you just wanted to dig in a little bit and to get some of our thoughts on what you've been having, some stumbling blocks around, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We can get a call scheduled and see if we might be able to good fit to help you through this, or at the very least give you some insights and what we experienced going through that as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, cool. So let's, we've got a couple questions here. The first one, these both came from Reddit. We finally switched it up where we're not, we're not from Facebook today. We're from Reddit. And I didn't realize that uh, the Midnight Freight Broker podcast made its debut being, uh, being yeah. discussed on a Reddit, three, uh, Reddit thread uh, last week. So, whew, it's a milestone. Pretty excited about that. Yeah, man. I feel like I don't, I, I don't really know Reddit too well other than like um, people can kind of hide who they are and people get fairly transparent on there. So, anyway, here's the question. Uh, it says, hey guys, I'm getting back into moving freight this week after quite a bit of time off with COVID. I was just curious how the market has been. Have you had any issues getting new customers set up or has all have all the recent changes made it really easy to do so? So basically, hasn't been brokering in a little bit, getting back into it. How is COVID affecting the market? Um, well, what I've seen in, in talking to people, some Right now, some companies are actually like dying to get new people set up because they've been shut down and they have such a backlog of supply or stock. Whereas other places are just like, it doesn't matter if there's a pandemic or a disaster, we've got our, you know, co-op of five people. So we're not setting up anybody new regardless. Um, so I think COVID is just like any other fluctuation in the market. It's just lasted quite a bit longer and it's a little bit more you know, it's different because people are working from home or been fully shut down, but whether it's a like a natural disaster, like hurricane, um, you name it, you know, or it's just capacity change. Like it's, it's the same. It's just like any other fluctuation. There is no static industry in freight. It's, it's changing every day seasonally. Um, have you guys heard anything from any of your uh, transportation clients on market fluctuating? I think it's more so capacity that's changed than, customer side of things, but Absolutely. what have you, what have you guys heard? One of the things I, we've been seeing the mo more or less is it, it, exactly what you said. It's normally what happens over a year has happened two or three times in a matter of months, right? And I, I always found that the best market to be in for the brokers was one that was shifting, right? If it's changing, that means there's opportunity. If things are just going status quo, it's much harder to break through those people they're used to using. When things are shifting back and forth and there's a lot of change going on, that just means more opportunities, more likelihood that who somebody has been using has either shifted, maybe work from home, maybe their phone system doesn't work as well once they've all shifted because they were impacted by COVID 
COVID more. And now maybe that shipper is looking for somebody different to just pick up a few loads, right? That's all you need, that one little opportunity. And if there's more of those out there, that's just more the likelihood that you're going to have some success doing the cold calls that you should be doing. I like it. I dig it. Uh, last question is someone said, I'm going from a large brokerage to a small brokerage. And they specifically said over a thousand employees at the old company, less than 30 brokers at the new company. What should they be prepared for? Now, um, Ben, I'll let you, I'll let you kind of take what it's like. Cause you've worked at a large company that had thousands of brokers. So, yeah. The juxtaposition of the two, right? So the larger brokerage you have, you have, they're different. I wouldn't say either are better or worse, right? And the differences are when you're working at a brokerage of more than a few thousand people, there's a lot of internal competition amongst leads, right? Who's going to be able to get the call the Fortune 500 company, the Fortune 50 company, those billion dollar companies, right? Everybody wants those. You've got to fight each other to get those. So there's less access to the bigger leads, um, but you've got the name, you've got the resources, you typically have the capacity, you've got the insurance requirements, you've got a whole department that runs all these things. You can really sell some of those things, but to a, lar a smaller audience. Now, the smaller company, you're going to find you likely have a niche that you work in. You probably have some area that you specialize in. Communication is going to be bigger for you. There are some shippers that just want to work with the smaller brokerages because they can always get to the person that's in charge and it always matters. You're talking to somebody that is maybe in the pod set up at a larger brokerage. The person who took your load might not be the person talking to the carrier. So there's disadvantages to that. I mean, a larger company needs that. A smaller company as a shipper, you want to know that the person you gave that load to is also the person on the phone with the guy picking up your load. So yeah. while you're at a smaller company, there's some big advantages of that as, that as well. Yeah, so I think and what I've seen and heard throughout my time doing this is, like you mentioned, competition tends to be the biggest difference between a large and a small company. At the same time, the the kind of the flip to that is larger brokerage has brand recognition a lot of times. So it might be easier to um, kind of hook somebody on that. Oh yeah, I've heard you guys. Or my favorite is, Oh, I've seen your trucks on the road. And it's like, we actually don't have any assets, but okay. No. <laughs> but, but they've heard of the company. It rings a bell. Right. And then, um, but the flip side of that, you had, that's a lot of opportunity for someone to have destroyed your image or, you know, you know, 10 other people from your company called me this month, yada, yada. Um, so opportunity can be a lot better at a smaller brokerage, but that support side, that back office might not be as strong. So you might not have a very thick level of accounting support or customer service. Um, and if your route is someone able to back you up, what's the, are you 24 seven for a dispatch team? Um, so there's going to be pros and cons to both. They both obviously work because they're both wildly successful throughout the industry. So yeah, and the, you know, the flip side of that is uh, the large brokerage companies has ac access to carriers, right? Like they've got thousands of carriers set up, whereas in a smaller brokerage, you know, drivers looking to call out on, you know, trying to find a load and he's, you know, he sees a small brokerage he's never heard of before and then he's got to get set up and he doesn't know, like, if he's going to get paid, like, there's a lot of trust issues there. Um, so that's kind of the struggles of a smaller carrier is, is that being able to secure assets to haul the freight. That's a great point. I think that that could often be overlooked if someone's making a switch from a big company to a smaller company. And I do have one more as well is a larger company. Um, 
more likely to have you in some sort of a um, employment obligation, non-solicit, non-compete, whereas a smaller company tends not to, you don't see those as often, um, but I think they're still there. So, and I've said in the past, make sure you know and understand what you're signing when you do start with a new company um, and ask 100%. those questions. 100% Nate, right? Know what that is before you're entering into it. Understand what you're giving up and what you're getting in that agreement, right? No, none of them are good or bad implicit in, in and of themselves, right? You've got to read through it and understand, hey, if I'm not able to, if I do have to leave here for some reason, like I now can't do business with the things that and the people that I've built these relationships with, know what you're getting before you're giving up anything. Love it. Final thoughts. What do Great you guys episode. got? I yeah. really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed having Bruce on. Great topic. Yeah. yeah. Guys, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I, uh, I like to be part of it a little more often and, and give some more insight. Say good words. That's all it is. Absolutely. I love it. We can, uh, we can definitely, um, we could talk for many, many episodes about cold calling. I know it's been a highly requested topic. There's a bunch of them. So we'll, uh, I'd be happy to I'm sure Ben and I both agree. We'd be happy to have anyone talented in the industry and that's got the experience to share their knowledge on. So awesome. Well, that being said, see you guys on the next episode. Go Bills. Before you know it, season's going to be starting. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to leave a review and check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any content that you've heard in this episode. Visit us on the web at www.midnightfreightbroker.com. And feel free to contact me if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency. And if you'd like to learn more about what I do or are interested in us running a complimentary sales training for your sales team, please reach out through LinkedIn or our website once again at midnightfreightbroker.com. See you all in the next episode.